right into the Word. Are you guys ready for the Word? We've been in a series entitled, and we're continuing in it today. In fact, I'm not sure this might be my last one. I'm not positive, though. I reserve the right to change my mind. Uh, but uh, we've been in this series entitled, Stand Your Ground. And uh, we've looked at the, idea, at the ideas through David's mighty men of uh, the way that we can stand our ground is by lifting the spear of prayer and getting a firm grip a tight grip, an unbreakable grip on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so today I want to continue this idea. We're going to be looking at another one of David's mighty men in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, and his name is Shama. Everybody say Shama. So his name is Shama, and Shama, we're going to notice here that Shama didn't have a weapon or there's no there he probably did have a weapon but there's no mention of the weapon because what seems to be his true weapon was his heart his mindset of how he went in the battle that he was in and i want to look at this and let's look together today in fact i've i've entitled this message the title of my message today is get out of my pea patch can you say that with me? Get out of my pea patch. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 11 and 12 says, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils or beans or peas. So the people of Israel fled from the Philistine, but... But Shammah stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistine. So the Lord brought about a great victory. So that's the Word of God. Let's pray and get right into the Word. Lord, we thank You for Your presence here today. Again, Lord, we honor the words that were spoken over this congregation today. And I pray that even in these next few moments, through this word, God, that you would just kind of put the period on it, Lord, that you would bring it full circle, God. And, and I pray, Lord, that we would be changed by the power of your word today. We open our hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, it isn't worth a hill of beans. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Uh, when something doesn't seem to have much valuable value or we don't think it has a lot of worth, they'll say something like that. It ain't worth a hill of beans. Well, that was not Shama's attitude on the day that he fought this battle in this field. To him, these beans were worth the fight. They were just beans. It was a patch of ground. But for him, he felt like this is necessary that I defend this ground. Which to a lot of people may not seem like much. In fact, to everybody else, it wasn't worth it. They fled. They ran. They got out. But the Bible says, Shama got in the middle of it, defended it, and he killed the Philistines. 
And God brought him a great victory that day. And so we know that standing your ground takes the ammunition of prayer and the ammunition of the Word of God, but also standing your ground requires attitude. It requires an attitude like Shama had that day, like, not today, not here. This is my pea patch. This is my ground. These are my beans. These matter. This matters in my life. And it's interesting to me that we're in a series dealing with this when we're also watching on news right now how the government of Russia or the nation of Russia is, in, is invading the Ukraine right now. And we're all watching this live on TV in the 21st century. Jesus said there will always be wars and rumors of wars. That will never go away. But now we get to, we don't just hear about it years later in history class. We get to watch it unfold right before our very eyes. And all of the world is standing by watching while President Zelensky, I think is his name, of Ukrainian government, is basically standing his ground. And he's coming on and he's saying, I'm not going anywhere. Now, I don't know what tomorrow holds for him. God bless him. God protect him. God take care of him. I don't know what a week from now is going to mean for that nation and for him. But it's that kind of attitude that the people of God need to get in their spirit where it concerns their stuff, their life. We need to get some resolve on the inside of us. That we are going to stand our ground in the evil day having done everything to be found standing. And that's what Shammah had on the inside of him. When it looked like it wasn't worth the fight, he said, to me, this is worth the fight. And I'm going to fight. And so today, I want to talk about having an attitude of fortitude. That, that, that resolve on the inside of us. To come to the enemy and say, you know what, you're going you're to have to get out of my pea patch. This belongs to me. This is my ground. This is not your ground. And so what I want to do is I first of all want to talk about what's your pea patch? What is your piece of ground? What is your real estate? What is, your, what is right now something that the enemy is encroaching and intruding, intruding on your life concerning. I have a few P words that I want to throw your way that might be something that touches you, maybe one of these or a few of these or maybe none of these. If none of these are touching on your life today, probably one of them might be tomorrow where the enemy's coming in. And so what's your P patch? Well, for some of us, it's the purpose of God for our life. It's our purpose. God has a purpose for us but sometimes we get disillusioned by the purpose of God in our life and the devil kind of creeps in and begins to deceive us and lie to us and distract us and try to get us off course where we begin to doubt that God has a purpose for our life. But I want to remind you today that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. For you. David said in Psalms 139 verses 15 and 16, he said, my frame was not hidden from you 
when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Before I ever came into existence, you were thinking about me. You had a plan and a purpose for my life. And I want you to notice those words. He said, all the days were fashioned for me. See, here's where the enemy gets into our spirit and into our mind where we lose hope and begin to doubt that we even matter in this earth or that God has a purpose for us. We start to thinking that all the bad stuff that happened to us, maybe that was God's plan. Maybe that was God's idea. No, it wasn't God's plan. Listen, the days were fashioned for you, but He did not predetermine every choice that you and I would make. We make choices to our own hurt and our own harm. We experience tragedy in our lives. Didn't come from God, but God had days designed for you. And it's His purpose. And when the enemy comes in and starts telling you and whispering in your thoughts and in your mind that you have no value, you have no meaning, you have no purpose in life, and you start to even think of maybe about suicide or maybe just running away, whatever the, however he may come in, you need to stop right there and say, get out of my pee patch. I have purpose, I have destiny, and I have meaning. Whoo, come on now out there. Here's another one where the enemy might come in. Your palace. And what I mean by your palace is I'm talking about your home. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your children. All that lives under your domain, so to speak. You know that Satan's first attack was on the marriage. The first recorded attack of the devil was on the home. And ever since then, everything, that is the target, that is the bullseye of the target for everything that the enemy wants, all the havoc, all the wreckage that he wants to bring into the earth. He starts at the house, he starts at the home, he starts with mom and dad, he starts with the marriage. And when we give it place, when we entertain those thoughts, when we believe those deceptions, we're just, we're just letting him get in on our ground and drive us out or try to drive us out. But we got to say, you know what? You got to get out of my palace. This is my house. This is my marriage. This is my wife. These are my children. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen watch in vain. Notice right there, those juxtapose those two ideas, the house and the watchman. Unless the, unless the Lord watch over the house, the house is going to fall apart. We've got to establish the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our marriages. Is anybody, out, or anybody awake out there? I'm not, I'm not doing this all alone here today. Amen. We've got to stand our ground. Take it back. Stop running away from your relationship. Stop running away from your responsibility to parent. Stop running away from your marriage. Stop running away from your house. Stand your ground. The enemy is not going to win here. 
we got to get some resolve. We get so beat up and we get beat down and we start embracing the beating and believing the lie and then holding a grudge and getting angry and then not fulfilling our responsibility or our vows. Amen. There was an all-out attack on the home today in the redefining of what true marriage and family really is. Outwardly, we're seeing this bombardment, but we can't believe the, the lies of the culture around us. We have to stand our ground for ourselves. But listen, as much as we see the outward attack on the family and on the marriage, there is inward attack of rebellion when we do not heed the clear commands of God's Word on how to love and how to relate and how to walk. So don't get all uppity and just look out there. Look in here. Don't throw all the blame out there. Take some responsibility here. This is my pea patch. This is my house. This is my marriage. These are my kids. Amen. I'm not mad. I just look like I am. Here's another one. Here's another place the enemy tries to intrude the, on the promises of God over our life. God gives you a promise. What I love about the promises of God are they are warm and they are wonderful. But have you ever noticed you always seem to got to wait on them? Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's wonderful to get a good word from God. It's the waiting that I can't stand. But let me tell you something. If we won't endure and wait for the promise of God, we can bring upon ourselves a world of hurt. If God has given you a word of promise about anything in your life, don't try to circumvent the pathway that God gets you there. Stay with His promise. Stay on course with His word. And don't try to readjust the plan to get there in your own way. You're treading on dangerous ground. Come on. I'm not trying to imply that God doesn't love you. He loves you so you to stay steps in his steps come on now you know David said in Psalms 25 verse 5 he said Lord lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation on you I wait all the day I'm waiting, God, for your leading. I'm waiting for your instruction. You are my salvation. The only way we get outside of God's salvation, God stepping in and helping us and giving us the strength to go on, the only way we get outside of that is when we won't wait for His direction. Stand your ground. Amen. In the promise of God. Here's another one. The enemy wants to take your peace of mind, too. You know, the mind is the most important battlefield we're ever going to traverse in our life. If Satan gets in our head, he can most definitely hinder our progress. I'm going to say it again. When the enemy gets in your head, 
he can hinder your walk with God. And so, he wants to rob you of peace. He don't care if you go to church. He may not even care that much if you pay your tithe. He may not care that much if you love a few people in your life. But he just wants to get your soul out of peace and into worry and anxiety. But this is your pea patch. This is your peace. This is your inheritance. This is your rightful inheritance in Christ. To have the peace of God ruling in your mind and in your heart. Amen. Can I get a good amen? Here's another area where the enemy tries to come in. He tries to attack and squat on our provision and our prosperity. He wants us to... How many of you believe that God wants to bless us? And we're, we're not name it, claim it people around here, but we do believe that God wants to bless us. He promised to bless us. He promised to provide for us. He promised to take care of us. And He's given us a pathway in which that happens. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he says that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. And in that passage, he's talking about money. And he says God is the blesser. He's the one that provides the blessing in our life. But you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to turn the blessing of God's provision into just being preoccupied with possessions. How much I have, what I have. And then what he does is he tries to get us into a spirit of greed. Paul said in that same passage that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And what he wants to get us, he wants to get us into a place where we're greedy. And then he said after that, when we embrace the greed of the love of possessions and money, he says, then that just pierces our soul with more sorrows and more pain. If you just want more money, you're going to get more money and it's going to come with a lot of more problems. Amen. Ask those people who win the lottery. All those problem aunts and uncles and cousins show up. Piercing them through with sorrows. You know what the enemy wants us to do? He wants to give... He wants to get us into a spirit of greed where we're worried about what we have and what we don't have and just chasing the dollar and just chasing possessions and chase in, in pursuit of happiness in things. But you know what? You've got to stand your ground against that. And the only way I know how to stand your ground against greed is to be a giver. You have to give. See, the enemy wants to tell you, no, you can't give. They, they don't give to the church, don't give to God, don't tithe, don't tithe your income. Tim just wants a bigger car. Tim can't handle the cars he has. The only way to combat the spirit of greed, to take back the ground of your soul where you trust God with all your resource is to be a giver. And to stand your ground and say, you know what? I'm tithing the, ten, the first part of my income for the kingdom of God. 
It belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. The Bible said the tithe is the Lord's. It's not mine to do with it what I want to do. It belongs to God, and it's the first part, and he gets first. Amen. I w- I'm a great preacher. I fit tithing in on this message today. Standing your ground. I, I must be good. Here's, let me give you one other place the enemy wants to invade your ground, and, and it's your purity of heart. Satan is a tempter and a deceiver and a liar, and he is doing everything he can to get us to follow our most base nature, our flesh. Let me show you a verse of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Paul says, and he's writing about the marriage relationship, and he says, and so you can appreciate what he's talking about. He's talking about the sexual relations between a husband and a wife. And he says, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you Because of your lack of self-control. I want you to notice that last phrase. He said, Satan tempts us in our lack of self-control. Now he's referring to the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. Not between people who are choosing to live together. Talking about a husband and a wife. And he says, the only reason why you can really deprive each other of that interaction between one another is for the purpose that you want to seek God and you really want to set aside all earthly passions to seek the face of God. But make sure that there comes an end to seeking God. Come back together. Because if you push it, you're going to make yourself susceptible the deceiving work of the enemy and he plays on your self-control and isn't this interesting in this passage he said come he said only separate for a little while so that you can pray and then he mentions about satan tempting us even the person that comes out of a place of prayer is susceptible if you don't guard your heart are you with me out there Anybody feeling uncomfortable? What I'm trying to tell you is that Satan is wanting to rob us of our purity of heart. Even in the marriage relationship. And we have to say, get out of my purity. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Get out of my head. I'm saying no to this. You have no authority here. You have no place here. This is my ground. My heart, my mind is my ground. And we need to get aggressive in it. We need to get authoritative in it. Not give place to that deceiver who is only wanting to tear you down. And in 
the private thoughts and in the things and the places where you think nobody knows. You know. Listen, pornography is not benign. It's a, it's a danger. You say, well, it's, no, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody, I'm not really hurting anybody. Nobody knows. Listen, you know. And what you see and what you receive and what you take in has an effect on your emotions and your thought patterns. I'm not condemning you to hell. I'm saying that hell is wanting to condemn you. And wanting to hurt you. And wanting to weaken your resolve. And wanting to destroy your marriage. This is my pea patch. This is my computer. This is my marriage. This is my mind. This is my soul. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? We need to get Shama on this thing. So how do we do this? Let's, let's talk. I want to conclude this with talking about how to take back the promise, the purity. You know, the Bible says that the troop of the Philistines invaded the land and everybody ran. It implies that they all, the land was evacuated by the people of God and the troop of the Philistines took the ground and Shammah saw it and it says that he stationed himself or he snatched back the land, literally is what the word station means, means he snatched it snatched it away, he went back in, got himself right, he planted his spirit, his soul, his body, right in the middle of where the enemy had taken over. And he defended it, and he killed the Philistine. Can I say to you today, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if the enemy is stealing your peace, if the enemy has squatted on your purity, if the enemy has come in and is trying to tell you you have no meaning, no value, no reason to live, you need to get that piece of real estate back. How can I do that? Well, I just want to kind of unpack this scripture a little bit. First of all, to take it back, you got to know who you really are. You need to know your identity. You see, the people that fled, listen to me, the people that ran away, they were children of God. They were Israelites. You know what the Lord promised the Israelites? He said, wherever you go, if you'll trust me, he says, one of you can put 1,000 to flight, two of you can put 10,000 to flight. But they were the one fleeing. What happened? They didn't believe who they were. They didn't, they didn't fully embrace their identity as the people of God. But Shama, something on the inside of Shama, he knew who he was. I mean, who he really was. He knew what his identity was, and that's what got him up and marched in that field. But let me, let me break this down to you. When Shama first came to David... The Bible tells us 
that he and 400 other men, when they came to David, here's how they came to him. They were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discouraged. In other words, their life was not perfect. They didn't have it all together. But the more they hung out with David, the more the anointing and the grace of David got on their life, and they began to change from these distressed, discouraged, indebted people, and their whole life was transformed. Shama, his name means desolation. The name Shama means depression or desolation. Agi, his father's name, his name means fugitive. Hararite, that's the place they were from, means that they were mountain dwellers. So here's the story. In the Old Testament, names mean things. And sometimes God will give a person a name that designs their destiny. Other times, people name themselves and their family after what they were going through in their life. So Shama's father was a fugitive. He was a man on the run. He dwelled in mountains. He was on the other side of the tracks. And when his son was born, he was so depressed about his life, he called him Shama. This was his identity in life when he came to David. But after he got with David, lived with David, hung out with David, he was a changed man. Oh, come on now. Can I remind you today that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? I don't care what they called you before. That's not who you are today. I don't care where you've lived before. You don't live there anymore. You belong to the Lord. In fact, here's what 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says. Love has been perfected among us. In this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Stop right there. Look at that last phrase. Because as Jesus is, so are we in this world, not just when you get to heaven. Jesus has all authority and all power over all principality, and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are seated there. you got to know who you are. Shama went into that land because he knew who he was. He went there all alone, but he knew who he was. And we got to go in. we got to take it. we got to get it. we got to get a sense of this. Listen, speaking about names. Satan, I heard somebody say this, I thought this was pretty cool. Satan knows our name, but he calls us by our sin. God knows our sin, but he calls us by our name. Isn't that awesome? You just need to know who you are. What you were is not who you are. Where you've been is not who you are. You can take that ground if you will just rise up. In your identity. Amen. I hope you're feeling encouraged. Here's a second way that we can do this. We need to hold to our integrity. We need to know our identity, but number two, we need to hold to our integrity. Shama was a man of integrity. Integrity, the word integrity comes from the root word integral, or it means to be undivided. You're not parsed out or divided in your allegiance. Your you're one person. You have one focus. You're, you know, you're moving in one direction. 
It's to be a person of strong moral principle. A person of integrity is a person like Shama who minded the small things, like these field of beans. It doesn't seem very significant. It almost doesn't look like a battle worth fighting. But here's, here's what I'm thinking that's in the mind of Shama. You know, it's the field of beans today. Tomorrow it's going to be my house. If I give up in these little things, these quote-unquote small areas, seemingly insignificant things, what's going to happen tomorrow? And so he went in and he took care of him, the little foxes. In fact, the Song of Solomon says in chapter 2, verse 15, he says, let us catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. You got to take care of the little foxes. Because if you don't take care of the little foxes, that it's going to wreak havoc on your, on your uh, vineyard, and it's going to affect your fruitfulness and your harvest. You got to mind the little things now. You got to take care of that little field of beans because tomorrow it could be your house. Amen. How do we do that? Well, by not negotiating with acts of sin. You got to be brutally honest with sin in your life. Instead of seeing how close to the edge that we can get, we need to avoid even the very appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. Avoid even the appearance of it. Amen. You guys okay out there? This is almost over. Do the right thing even if it means you're standing alone. Everybody else fled, but not him. doesn't matter what other people are doing around you. you got to do you, boo. Believer. you got to stand your ground as a child of God. Amen. Aim higher, not lower. Don't take on the, 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 you know, the aim of the world. Take on the aim of Christ. Paul said, I forget everything that is behind me. I press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going higher. I'm not going lower. I'm not going to see, I'm not going to try to glide my way through. I'm going, I'm, I'm excelling. I'm moving up. Amen. Do the right thing even when no one is looking. They all ran. They weren't watching him. He was out there. He didn't have the people applauding him. Woo, good job, good job. He was in there all alone. Character is what you are when no one is looking. Here's what Jesus taught us. Jesus said, and he was talking about hypocrisy. And here's the rub of hypocrisy. He said, what you, what you do in the dark will be made known in the light. 
what you whisper in the ear will be proclaimed from the housetop. What you really are is who you are when no one is looking. Amen. Hold to your integrity. Get in the middle of that field and say, I'm not going to give up ground. And if I stumble and fall, I'm not running out of the ground. I'm going to stand back up again. Come on now. One final thing. We need to live with intentionality. The third idea, just how you take it back. Know your identity. Hold to your integrity. And then live with intentionality. Would you come, Katie? Shama was a, he was super intentional. He positioned himself in the middle of the field. He stayed with it until he finally got the victory. What does it mean to live with intention? Set godly priorities in your life every day. Prioritize your day concerning the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this world. Every day that you live is for the glory of God's kingdom. You're a child of God, right? I'm assuming everybody here is. Your aim is not the kingdoms of the earth. We prioritize our life around the kingdom of God. Do you know that when Israel went into the land of Canaan in the book of Joshua, the Bible tells us, if you read it carefully, that they destroyed 31 kings and kingdoms in five years. But by the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua already saw the handwriting on the wall. They had set on their laurels and began to find a way to live among the culture. And Joshua stood up one day and he said, I'm about ready to leave here. But it doesn't look good for you if you don't get your priorities in order. He said, you got to make a choice today. Today you have to make a choice. Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to, along with the world and the culture around you, serve the gods of this world? Because you will serve somebody. And he said, you need to choose today whom you're going to serve. Today is the day to make a good choice in your life. And he says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God gets the glory here. We build our lives around him. We don't fit him into our lives. Amen. We need to get our priorities in order. If we're going to be intentional and live intentional lives, Get in that ground, stay with that course. That means we got to say, you know what? My life is about God. It's about, it's about the glory of God. And here's another thing. One more thing. One final thing. To live intentional lives. We will have to persevere. <laughs> this is, listen, we read this story of Shama took place in two verses of Scripture. Times that to the 10th power or whatever. That's your life and my life. We're going to have to persevere. The battle will rage on. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we can't give up. You know what the word persevere means? Per, through, severe. Through severe things. Through difficult things. 
So when you're persevering, you're not persevering if everything goes well. You didn't persevere. That's not perseverance until the bottom fell out. No, you, you stick with it when the bottom falls out. That's perseverance. Perseverance is like Abraham Lincoln who said, I'm a slow walker, but I never walk back. Just keep going forward. Just keep going forward. Would you stand with me? Can we have the prayer team come on up and prepare to pray for anyone who needs prayer today? If you need prayer today, before you leave, if you need a touch of God, if you need a healing touch of God, if you have some burden that's weighing heavy on your heart, or if you just want to come home to Jesus, maybe you want to give your life to Jesus, they would love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you and help you to, to, to surrender your heart to Him. Today would be a great day. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. We welcome you. We love you. Lord, I, I know that many of us feel like we're in the field all alone sometimes. But you're there with us, Lord. Because it was you who gave Shama the victory. And it will be you and it is you who give us the victory. You have never left us. You have never forsaken us. And I pray whatever we are facing in our lives right now, God, that we would take it back. That we would know who we are. That we would hold to our integrity. And that we would live with purpose, God, till we get the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you want to win at life? Can I... Bring up Luke chapter 21, verse 19 in the NIV version. Bring up the next ones. Says, uh, go to the next word. But Jesus said, read this with me. Stand firm and you will win life. Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's stand firm. You're going to win. Amen. God bless you. Come for prayer if you need it. God bless you.